Hi there, everyone. I hope all of you are okay. Today, I have a really special guest on my Reality Check Leadership podcast. His name is Larry Cunha, and we're going to approach leadership in a different way. Hi, Larry. Thank you so much for having accepted my invitation to be part of my reality leadership podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm great and I am hyper, hyper excited to join you as your guest today. Cool. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, we haven't, uh, well, we've, we've had a brief conversation, conversation yesterday because we didn't know uh, each other uh, physically or virtually. We, we, we only knew ourselves, uh, you know, through LinkedIn comments and, and posts, etc. But I can uh, I confess that I immediately shared uh, somehow a connection with you um, because I felt um, I felt some some humbleness and some you know down to earth type of guy, which is something I really love. So I was I didn't have any single doubt uh, to invite you. Uh, to know a little bit more about you so that also our audience knows a little bit more about you. So the first question I'd like to ask you is, it's more of a challenge. I would like to ask you to talk a little bit about you. Tell me who you are, mm -hmm. but please drive the, the conversation towards um, the notion of what is your passion, right? Tell us who you are and what uh, are you passionate about? Mm. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for the challenge, Luis. I am Lerio. I was born and raised in Mozambique. Mm -hmm. When I was in high school, I dreamed of having my own summer camp. Okay. It is something that as a child, I used to go to South Africa to spend a week, two weeks, and from that, I developed a passion of adventure sports. And mm -hmm. I, there was this spark that I wanted to bring the activities, the adventure activities that I was doing in South Africa, I wanted to bring to Mozambique. Cool. Meanwhile, at the time, it was 2008. And I'm not going to get into politics, so... Don't worry, but I feel that uh, what I'm going to say next can best describe one of my passions. And in 2008, that was when Obama was first campaigning for his first uh, elections. All right. For me to see... So, sorry? No, I was, I was going just to tell you that I'm a big fan of uh, North American politics. So I clearly nice. remember that period when Obama was campaigning. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Um, and it was for me very intriguing and amazing mm -hmm. how could someone could make you cry be very sentiment sentimental and touch you deeply with his words and in five ten seconds tops he would make you galvanize and cheer and for me that was an amazing skill amazing gift that i i remember thinking to myself in 30 years when I retire, instead of retiring and stop working, that's what I want to do. 
I want to travel the world and speak to people so that I could have the same impact or uh, give the same feeling that Obama would give me when I watched, when I listened to his um, debates, the tears, the spark in the eyes, mm -hmm. you know? Little did I know that it wouldn't be in 30 years when I would retire. Things change along the way. I came to Portugal, to Lisbon, to pursue academic studies in order to acquire some knowledge so that I would go back to Mozambique in order to build the dream of having summer camp. But okay. you know, life happened in the middle, in a way, and one thing led to another, and this can, we can put it aside for another conversation. If you invite me for another conversation, we can talk about that. And little did I know that I would be doing what I thought I would be doing in 30 years time. I am doing that after 10 years. So to resume to your question, my passion is people, to interact with people, to let's say that I'll, I'll have a one hour talk with people in a conference or a two day training. Out of the two days, if one person in the audience can take one thing that will be thought provoking, I'm not saying that it will change their lives because mm -hmm. the only people uh, capable of changing their lives is your own self. You know, no one can change other people. But if you can spark something, if you can change or uh, give some thought provoking ideas, then that's when I feel mission accomplished. And that's when I feel um, the most satisfaction in what I do. I don't know if I answer your question, if that's- You did, but, but it, it, sparks, uh, it sparked a little bit of curiosity. Hmm. Um, how, does, how did your family react so, to the fact that there was this young boy that was seeing uh, Barack Obama, you know, having a, doing speeches and saying, yes, we can. How did your family react to the fact that you took, I can imagine you told them, no, I want to inspire people and I want to talk with people. That's what I want to do for a living. Um, what was that, their reaction? I'm having, <laughs> this was a five, five second pause because with what I'm going to say, I don't want to be expelled from the family circle, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say it anyway. I do believe that in my family, my mother and my uncle are those who actually really understand what I do for a living, what is exactly <laughs> my passion. I do believe that even some of my, my friends, friends and family members, they know that I travel a lot. They know All that right. I'm in Lisbon or Europe. But specifically what I do, I'm, I'm positive that there's a big question mark. Yeah. You know, you know I think that's curious because I also think the same thing from, from about my family, you know, uh. as I work in IT for, for the last you know, two, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And every time I, I jump into their, their homes for a dinner, for a lunch, they mm -hmm. immediately just say, hey, say, how, how many computers did you fix today? You know? <laughs> I think I th they still know when I talk, you know, I, I did consulting, I did project management, I did, 
uh, nearshore managing for them it's okay you are sitting in front of a computer you know what my wife she used to tell me you Mm, really do lovely powerpoints (laughs) because that's one of the tools i use of course to to share knowledge but cool thanks for thanks for you know um thanks for sharing that it's good to see that i'm not alone in the world (laughs) that there are more people out there who's their family still don't know quite well yeah, and I, I i think i should start practicing so because if they don't understand i always like to believe when we're communicating if the other party they really don't get what i'm doing it's because i'm not communicating well my message is not coming right. across it's so true. it's something that i i should start practicing because i have a one-year-old child mm-hmm. So when he starts to, in a few years, to ask me, hey, daddy, what do you do? I, I need to come up with something simpler, but that he will get the exact idea of what I do. And if, if we can explain something to a child, to children, I believe that then um, it will be easier to explain to adult people. I agree. I agree. But communication goes both ways. So your, your family members, they need to be able to listen <laughs> to really want to listen to what you're telling about, right? To what you're sharing. Cool, Larry. So uh, once again, welcome to the Reality Check uh, Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about leadership and what are the impacts and the consequences of acting and performing leadership uh, in a positive or in a negative way. But with you today, uh, as we've discussed, I think I would like to do something a little bit more different still okay. talking about leadership but approaching one of the topics that, um, that in fact you've come up with that i really felt a good connection with it and that okay. topic is the topic of, of vulnerability so mm. i would like to have you know, the next minutes of our conversation focus a little bit on this uh, tiny little huge aspect about vulnerability vulnerability but in order to do it um, i would like to challenge you to uh, see a couple of videos of someone that I really look up to when we talk about vulnerability, which is Brené Brown. Mm. And, uh, and we go through that, okay? i show you a small clip of uh, mm. around 30, 40 seconds, and then we run through it. I have more clips to share, but if we spend all the time in the first one, fine, either way, it's a, it's a conversation. So let's, let's, go. let's go with it. So... Here I go. Let me see if I can share my screen. Yep. Share screen. So let's go. This is the first clip. So where I started was with connection. Because by the time you're a social worker for 10 years, what you realize is that connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. This is, this is what it's all about. It doesn't matter whether you talk to people who work in social justice and mental health and abuse and neglect. What we know is that connection, the ability to feel connected, is neurobiologically, that's how we're wired. It's why we're here. This is the first clip, Larry, and uh, Brene introduces the notion of connection. That's why we're here. And uh, focusing a little bit on what you said in the past, you wanted to inspire people and talk with people Hmm. i tend to think that you want to do that because you want to connect with people Mm -hmm. what's your view there 
more, I would be lying if I say that I didn't, my, my, my purpose, my goal was not to connect with people, but much more than that, beyond that, I would say that it's to, so that people can connect with other people. So if I can, in a sort of way, be a vessel, an instrument, a tool that will allow others to connect with each other, to find ways to better connect with their family members, with, uh, with friends, with colleagues at work, with their employees, with their superiors, that's when I actually feel yes when I received that feedback. So as Brene Brown said, it's all about connection. We all want to feel connected and that's mm -hmm. why we're here. I'm not sure if, if she was saying that's why we're here at the conference that she was talking or as No, that's humans, why we're here, yeah, as humans. As humans. As humans. And both would still make sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I answered your, your question, Lish. You did, but uh, can you share with me an example of a piece of work that you do, something that you do, you know, a, I don't know training or, or a, an event, a, a talk. How, how do you know that the message is going across and how do you know that people are connecting with that message that will make them understand, oh, maybe tomorrow if I do this, I'll maybe connect differently with the other person. So can you give us an example of the work you do? Yeah. The work I do, if we can put a label, a superficial label, mm -hmm. it would be public speaking and storytelling. Okay. If we can put, like this is the, the top, the tip of the iceberg. What's underneath the, the non-visible part is people sharing stories, people giving feedback to one another. And it's something that I, I, I saw and I identified in my experiences as a facilitator is that when you receive and give feedback from your peers and to your peers, consciously or unconscious, what happens is you get the feeling of, oh, if they give me feedback, it might mean that they care about me, that they want me to grow. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, it has strengthened the bonds between those who are actually taking part in the experience. Let's pretend that we are a year, um, 10 months ago, or if everything goes well, six months from now, we will I, be- I think, yeah, I said- Six months from now. I so, said that you're sharing something pre-COVID, right? <laughs> yeah, pre-COVID, or let's say post-COVID, or, or, post or after uh, we will socialize again as we used to before COVID. Um, we have a training. You are one of my participants. Mm -hmm. The whole experience that I try to create is from the moment that participants 
step foot in the door of the training. It is not when I say, good morning, everyone, let's begin the training and they're seated in the circle shape, but it's from the moment they step in. Mm -hmm. I tell them to you, this is where you can put your belongings. There's water there and you may find a chair and make yourself comfortable while everyone arrives. And what happens there, participants feel that the training is still uh, is about to, to start. Underneath each chair, I always put some cards. And as they wait for everyone, and then it's also something to avoid the awkward silence. People usually grab their cell phone and stuff. Right. I, I tell them to pick a card, read it out loud. And this is what it follows. So Luis, pick a number from one to eight. Five. Five. Tell a story about a memory from school. Um, running around. No, I was the guy with the, with the glasses. So mm -hmm. I was always teased because I had four eyes. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I was extremely athletic in terms of sportive guy. So I ran as fast as I could and no one would catch me. So I was like the, the glasses guy that really had, was good at sports. Mm. Nice. Thank you for sharing. Welcome. These are, this comes from a deck of cards called More Than One Story. Mm -hmm. And it could go from tell a story about an embarrassing moment. Tell something about your family. Tell about someone you miss. Tell about a talent you have and how you use it. Tell about a person who had an impact in your life. Describe a big event of your life and tell a story about a time when you were generous. These are just a sample of the, the, the cards I picked it up. And what happens is you have people sharing stories. Some mm -hmm. of them don't require vulnerability or that you don't need to be vulnerable, but others actually you may share things that you never shared, even though you, you've been working with those people in the training for 10 years, for 15 years. And I, I, I already had some re reactions. So this happens and then the training begins as participants think. In the next break, I had someone coming, this happened two years ago, and she came, Lurio, you know what? Um, I don't know what happened, but I feel that I'm really closer to my colleagues. I don't know if you planned this or, but I cannot explain. I was like, acting surprised like oh yeah, yeah but no just a simple game that, that it, they think it's not part of the public speaking and storytelling but it's about communication it's about mm -hmm. in some of the 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 sharing getting naked in front of people that you usually maybe only go and have lunch with them and you say hello how are you but it's in, in a superficial level and what happens when you share this kind of stories some of them are simple maybe one minute you connect completely you connect yeah um really yes, cool really cool yes, and, and interesting enough was i saw this deck of cards with 
the mentors, from those who I learned how to facilitate, how to conduct workshops. And I said, okay, I want to have that tool for team buildings, et cetera, et cetera. When the, the, I ordered from Germany and when the deck of cards arrived, I was feeling, you know, when a little kid re receives a gift, he wants to open, he wants to show off to their friends. And at that day, I had two friends of mine coming over for dinner. And I said, well, um, this is not work, but I'm really excited about it. Can we try one round of it? Just so, and they said, yeah, sure. We spent from 7 p.m. until 2 a.m. playing the game. I love it. I want that game. <laughs> yeah. The name of the game, and just a little bit of um, background, it's called More Than One Story. And why that name? Because there's a famous TED talk called The Danger of a Single Story. And basically, the, 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 the speaker shares that sometimes, specifically in Africa, the world only has one story. And that story creates stereotypes, prejudices. Right. For example, if, if they, yeah, when you totally see in the news, African countries, it's all a kid with a gun, a kid yeah. with a big belly, or the safaris. And people think with that single story that that's the reality in a box. Yeah. So the name of this talk is The Danger of Single Story. And a group of young Swedish uh, people, they created this deck of cards that is more than one story. Because the whole goal is the more stories we hear about someone, the less barriers, the less prejudices we create. So it's about building bridges. And building bridges right. is about connections. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. And I think it really matches with what uh, Brené Brown was saying, you know, connection. And I can, I can you know, sh share with you that mm. I've approached this yesterday with you, but my mom passed away a couple of months ago. And, um, and, and I was suffering in the sense well, there was a lot of suffering, of course, but mm -hmm. there was a specific suffering about, um, th there was a connection I had with her that I didn't have with anyone else, right? So when I had a story to share or a, an event or anything, I would call her and I would tell her, this is what happened, you know? Mm. So uh, because she, her reaction was different to mm. anyone else. Uh, and when I was hearing uh, Brené Brown talking about connection, I clearly understood the connection we have with people, with different people, is mm. different, and it's never replaceable. Because the way you, the way a person reacts to 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 a story that you tell her, it's going to be different to anyone because anyone other, because they have their their own education, their own experience, their own mm. connection to you. And I, when I was uh, hearing this, it really felt, yeah, what I miss is the connection, you know, because I can still share, I can still, you know, think about her and share something. But mm. the connection, the reaction, that's what I don't have. Mm. And that's what I think if we put it in a last, let's say, uh, you know, difficult moment, if we put it in our businesses, in our day-to-day -day work, each one of us has a specific connection with each of, of one of our colleagues. Yeah. And that connection is not never replaceable and it's always different. Um, so I truly believe in what you mentioned. And, and if that's part of your training, I can tell I want to do that <laughs> because I really felt it's really cool. More than one story. Larry, let's move on. Um, 
I'm gonna I have a second clip to show you. Okay. Okay. And I think there is a story, you know, in the consequence of the clips. Let me show you. I ran into this unnamed thing that absolutely unraveled connection in a way that I didn't understand or had never seen. And so I pulled back out of the research and thought, I need to figure out what this is. And it turned out to be shame. And shame is really easily understood as the fear of disconnection. Is there something about me that if other people know it or see it, that I won't be worthy of connection? What underpinned this shame, this I'm not good enough, which we all know that feeling, I'm not blank enough, I'm not thin enough, rich enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, promoted enough. Um, the thing that underpinned this was excruciating vulnerability. This idea of in order for connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, really seen. To connect, we need um, to show ourselves as we are and to be seen, really seen, right? Mm -hmm. And that's powerful. Yes, and I, it is powerful. And sometimes just by hearing the words, we may think that uh, that's easy. We just need to allow ourselves to be seen. Right. But in, in exactly. the contrary, we'd all the society or the way we are raised, the way we see bringing, connecting with the topic of leadership, we have different connotations for what is to be a leader. If you want to have people to, to be productive and you, if you want to lead them, you need to show that you're strong. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we even think that it's a gender thing because I think it's changing, but it's still enrooted in our society. It's in the way we are raised or our expectations yep. that men don't cry. You have to be tough enough or tough love. But I guess it, sometimes it go beyond because I've, I've heard just recently, I, I was talking to a friend and he has a very peculiar relationship with his mother and because her mother 30 years ago she was working at the port in the north of portugal and this industry is dominated by men and she was actually in in, in a role of uh, a managed role mm -hmm. but she had to change to toughen up so that she would she would be respected and people would follow her yeah. leadership so she couldn't show vulnerability, you know? Um, but that's really hard to connect, I, I, I do believe. And what I feel in my trainings is what I try to do is actually to have everyone to get naked in front of people, to have especially the leaders, the managers, the, the CEOs, the executives, those are the ones who actually push them. And I wouldn't say there's, the, there's a word I actually, two words. So instead of getting out of the comfort zone, we try to expand the comfort zone. 
Mm -hmm. And so you are getting vulnerable and you're able to connect. Sometimes it's not easy, but I, I do believe if we create the right environment, if we use these cards, then it, it helps to, to better connect with those around us. When I was hearing this, I don't know, I was seeing this, this clip, mm. when Brené Brown sh shares that one thing that hinders connection is the fear, right? The fear and the shame of not being part of not being integrated. I immediately thought, you know, back at school, when you had, uh, you have a group of friends and then there is always on the, on the class, one or two people completely outside of the, of the bubble of connections of people. And they are, you know, they start to dress differently or they start to act differently. And they are immediately put aside, right? They are, normally that's what happened. And even themselves, they protect their uh, you know the way they want to to live and the way they want to be they mm -hmm. isolate although i'm quite sure everyone needs and wants to feel integrated with something a group an activity an experience a work you know a friend <laughs> we all right um it's it's interesting to see that immediately from from young age everything which is not normal or not within our normal, we tend to, uh, you know, distance ourselves from it. And that, if you go then to the to the company side, if you are not within the norm, it's harder for a leader to, if if you didn't have that 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 right level of understanding that each one is different, but each one has to connect. If he doesn't do that effort, that person will not be connected, will not be in your grace, let's say, and it will immediately have an impact and an effect on your team, on the way you lead people. Yes, definitely. It's, it's interesting, yesterday when we, we spoke, um, even last week you mentioned Brene Brown, and at the moment I'm actually reading a book from her, and it's Daring Greatly. And one of, today actually, I was listening to, I think it was a one hour bit of the audiobook, and she, she mentioned that in, it was a, a German enterprise. Mm -hmm. They were not meeting their year goals. And at the end of the year, the CEO actually shared that, that because of his behave, behavioral, his actions, his message was not creating the effect that they wanted. They were not meeting the goals. So he, he, he got naked in front of everyone in the whole company. And he said, and I need your help in order for us to meet those goals that we previously signed. Right. And what happened was people felt connected to him and they even surpassed their competitors that were way ahead of them. So they went beyond what they have set for themselves. And the okay. reason why, because he, he was vulnerable and he was able to ask for help. Something that we have the notions when he asks for help or when we admit that, that we are doing something wrong or we failed, we feel that we'll be excruciated, uh, scrutinized, yeah. and that I will lose my leadership role. And that's the opposite. 
and studies shows the opposite. Brene Brown shows that it's exactly opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. So that, that for me, it was, it was powerful in the sense that I was trying to understand. So what disables the connection? What, what can impact negatively? And she stated really simply, she said, it's the fear. It's the fear and the shame of not being good enough or not, of not telling the right thing, of doing things mm -hmm. wrong. And when you do that, you hinder yourself from acting. And that means you don't have the opportunity to create, uh, to fail, to create the opportunity, the relationship, to move on. And that's really, it was really powerful. I really learned a lot with this single clip. Let me show you another one. Let's go. Mm -hmm. We think of vulnerability as a dark emotion. We think of it as the core of fear and shame and grief and disappointment, uncertainty, things that we do not want to feel, right? Things that I don't want to be vulnerable because that means I'm afraid. That means I'm uncertain. That means I'm, 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 I'm at risk. I'm exposed. I'm, I'm in grief. So what we do is we armor up and we say, I do not want to slip into these dark emotions. I will not let myself be vulnerable. I think I didn't show you before this, but you really said this, you know, with that, we, when she says we armor up so that no one sees that I'm afraid. <laughs> yes, and leaders do that a lot. Yes, and I, I don't think it's only leaders, like those are actually, we, we spot, in leaders because they're in the spotlight more than the the ones below them but i guess all of us not all of us but the majority of us we tend to armor up i used to use another expression was like we wear masks yeah the thing is and i do believe that most of the time it's in a subconscious unconscious level and in conscious, we feel that there's something about that person. I cannot say what really is. Well, deep down, what we're saying is like, I don't think that person was vulnerable. I don't think that person was, we can even say authentic. Right. She's just hiding something or he's She's hiding, hiding something. Or there's something fishy. And this is something that also I also see and also receive that feedback. Um, when I was rehearsing a lot, my speeches for the, the competition, the contest speeches, competition speeches, I was rehearsing comma to word gesture here, everything. Right. And then I got the feedback like Lurio, I think it, it was over rehearsed and it lost the authenticity, you know, and sometimes even if it's not over rehearsed, people will spot like there, there was something I, okay, good presence in, in stage, good vo voice, but there was something odds. I cannot say what it is. And maybe it was because you are not be getting naked completely. You were right. putting mask and you're not showing your, your true self. That way people couldn't connect, even though they don't know, they, they didn't or they don't know why, but when they say like, there was something there that I, I cannot put a name, a label, yeah. there's no connection there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a story, uh, you know, two years ago, um, I had an office in, in, in my previous company 
and uh, my my team i would we would do something a meeting or a presentation whatever mm. and there was once i was the meeting didn't it was not it was not all right i was not in, the, in my best mm. but i went back to the office and i was thinking oh shit you know this was not good and one of my you know one of my managers he jumped into the office and he asked me wish what's wrong you there's you look different. What's what's what what happened? Mm. And my reply was nothing wrong. I'm fine. I did the pres- I did the, the meeting. It's done. Thank you. And he, like you were saying, he said he sensed that something was not right. So he left. And when he you know, closed the door, I was I immediately sank and I said, "Shit! I just lost an opportunity." <laughs> to tell him that the meeting was not all right because somehow I was not well. Mm. And, it, and I felt I was somehow deceiving him mm. or I was lying to him because I was lying. Well, we both knew something was wrong, mm-hmm. but I just didn't take, took out, didn't, didn't take out the mask and tell him the real thing. And I'm quite sure if I did, he mm. would immediately have felt some empathy and would say, yeah, I understand why that happened like that. And I'm here for you. So I lost an opportunity. And I would like to share if there's something I would love people to understand that we should take all the opportunities we have to connect with people uh, because that will make a big impact on your day and on your career. I'm quite sure. Yes. And I just to add another layer on the valuable thing that you just said is I also do believe that we c- we're not entitled or it's not up to us to force that others will be vulnerable toward us, but we can actually, sometimes it's just a, the extra mile as in not, how are you? Oh, yeah, I'm okay. Good. Okay. Then fine. No, no, really. How are you? Because there's different levels. Like, how are you? Like, I'm fine. Everything is fine. And then you can go the extra mile. As in, you actually, not like, really, I have time. I have five minutes. How are you? And then that can allow a great opportunity to share and uh, to feel connected. So I guess we can, yeah. we can make it like both ways in a, 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 a collaborative effort towards vulnerability. There is, you know, I think, you know, there's a guy called Kerwin Ray and he's, he's, I think he's Australian. And uh, he was talking about that question, the how are you question. Mm. And uh, and uh, his his feedback was, when somebody asks asks you how are you, you should you should reply in a completely uh, surprised manner. You should reply, I am spectacular, or I am super pumped. Things that will really that will make the other person mm. why <laughs> why are you super pumped? Why are you spectacular? You know, mm-hmm. just to because people tend to ask that without for the sake of asking but if exactly. they ask uh, if, if if they ask like you were mentioning that has a really powerful impact 
Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's move on, Larry. I have, I have, what do I have more? Let me see, share screen. Let's go. Vulnerability is the center of difficult emotion, but it's also the birthplace of every positive emotion that we need in our lives. Love, belonging, joy, empathy. No vulnerability, no empathy. In a culture where people are afraid to be vulnerable, you can't have empathy. You know, empathy is not a default response. If you share something with me that's difficult, in order for me to be truly empathic, I have to step into what you're feeling. And that's vulnerable. So there can be no empathy without vulnerability. You know, Larry, I will let you go with this, but I've learned I was doing something really wrong hmm. after, after seeing this. When when I when we talk to leaders and then we ask and we tell them you have to be empathic, you have to use and to train and to upskill your empathy skill. Hmm. This is not, uh, and I felt this in my in my previous team when I was saying this. You need to be empathic. And then the feedback I was getting from, you know, their team was, yeah, he asks me how I am, but he really doesn't mean it. So uh, I, this, this clip really um, made me think that in order to train our ability to be empathic, we need to train our ability to become vulnerable. Because if you are not vulnerable, if you are always in that, you know, mask, strong armor how on earth are you going to put yourself on 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 the other shoes so this was really cool what do you think i do i do share the same opinion i i guess there there are some words that are really used nowadays and Sometimes we can play with the meaning that we give to those words, or we need to understand what actually implies it. For example, mm-hmm. and I'll, I hope I'm not going sidetrack. We use a lot the word procrastination. Procrastination this, I'm fighting for procrastination, I'm batting for the procrastination. And I remember once in Berlin, uh, Denise, Denise Banks told me, no, Larry, you were not procrastinating. You didn't want to do it. And you just need to find out why you didn't want to do it. Why every time you put that specific errand task in your to-dos list, you're always leaving it aside or prioritizing others. Right. Now, putting that aside, what that clip made me reflect, provoked in me, was actually, we see someone that is not empathic, that does not have the capability of putting their self in the other shoes. Mm-hmm. And then I say like, oh, you should be more empathic. Right. I should be more empathic. My leader is not empathic at all. He has zero empathy. Exactly. And Brene Brown just told us, Empathy is not a default thing. It's a consequence 
of stepping in in vulnerability. And it just got me thinking, I think it, it goes as well, what am I doing so that that person will be empathic? Or why am I, it was my leader not empathic? How can my leader be more empathic? I think it's, it's I just had a clarity or there's just sparks in my mind right now. You need to step in, step in, be vulnerable. And the consequence, there will be empathy in a group connection. Yeah, mm. yeah I agree. No, I agree. And it's, it's very powerful, the sense that, uh, and I was telling this yesterday to you uh, on, on these exercises that, that I've already did in the past of connecting with someone that you haven't connected with and staying face to face with someone and ask them to share a story like you mentioned and, and really look into the other person's eyes and start to let go all your armor and just think what is that other person feeling and why is she or he telling me this and that has an impact so it has a tremendous impact let you i think i have one more okay let's go let's go we see that a lot, that to be vulnerable, to be open, to be exposed is to be weak. Um, and the truth is, you know, what I found in my research is that vulnerability is not weakness. In fact, I would argue that it's our greatest measure of courage. The definition I use in my work of vulnerability is simply uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Vulnerability is about the willingness to show up and to be seen even when there are no guarantees. Cool. So once again, she's, she's focusing the fact that vulnerability should not be seen as a weak thing, but as a sign of courage. What's your view? Why is vulnerability, in her opinion, the first sign of you know, being courageous? Maybe I'm using the, the analogy a lot, but I continue to use is to go in the street walking naked and literally naked, aside from people will think that you're crazy, it takes a lot of courage. And as she said, exposing, showing to, and be, being seen with no guarantees of what people will think. And that takes a lot of courage. Right. Especially right now in the in the era that we we tend to worry a lot about our status, social media status, what professional think? status, society status. We think that if we get naked naked, we never know. Well, with no guarantee, there's no guarantee that how will people react? How will I be seen in the next event that that person will see me? Will I have a label? And we tend to put the label of shame, of fear, of weakness. Hence, we don't share a lot. We don't take out the, ar the armor um, or, nor the masks that we have. And it's, it's actually the opposite. I'll, I'll try to make a bridge into a thought. When 
you forget what, what you'll say when you're on stage, when you are presenting some results to the CEOs, to the sta external yep. stakeholders, two seconds feels like it's an eternity. Five seconds, worse. And then we tend actually, it gets even worse. The more seconds it passes when we blank, we think that it's an eternity. We think that people from now, they have a negative impression of the person that I am, you know? And, but this is, this is not the case. I, I, I tell my, I, I, I like to use the, when you forget your lines on stage, if it's like more than five, 10 seconds, people already know that you forget it. Mm -hmm. And we tend to feel that the whole audience wants us to fail, that they will be shaming afterwards. If it was maybe centuries ago that people would throw rotten tomatoes yeah. at our faces, that's not the case. In an audience of 100 people, maybe one person, maybe two people will be, act like that. And we tend to focus on those two. Yeah, yeah. Because those two will use our weakness against us. But what happens with the other 98 people in the audience? They want us to succeed. You know? And when we remember our lines, even if it's 30 seconds later, they won't be like, shoot. No, they'll be like just in a fighting scene, in an action movie, in that moment that the main character is almost giving up, but then he remembers the sentence of the guru, of the sense of the master, and then he <laughs> regains energy. He stands up and then he fights and he wins. We have that feeling like, yes. And, and that's the same thing. When we are able to connect and we are able to show each other to if it's one person, if it's our team, what happens actually, it's, it's, it's the opposite of weakness. The person that just heard us being vulnerable, that witnessed that moment of vulnerability coming from us, they feel privileged. Sometimes they even think, think they take a responsibility posture because they feel like, wow, if this person just shared this, I, now I'm responsible to take this as a gift and as make sure that I, don't, I won't break the trust that that person just deposited in me and trusting me that I was worthy enough <laughs> of him, of her to share this with me. And I think that feeling, it's just, powerful beyond powerful i agree i agree and i think we should always remember that we'll always have someone that will act and look up to us in a condescending way you know oh poor guy oh too bad you know but as you mentioned why do we focus on those and why don't we focus on the all the others that really want us to succeed right and in a team that's that's, that's the reality also in the team. There is competitivity. There is, uh, there is an eagerness to grow, to be promoted, to get more money, to be more recognized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
and if you fail somehow you your your first thought is yeah uh, i failed and there are two or three guys that immediately are going to say i win because you failed you know that that happens a lot and i think we need to uh, somehow share with people and share with our teams that failing is a consequence of learning mm -hmm. because if if uh, and when i mean consequence of learning is that if you didn't uh, started to learn mm -hmm. you would you would not even have an opportunity to fail because you would immediately you, you didn't have anything so you need to learn so that you can fail so that you can learn again, so that you can fail. And that's the life of a team. That's the life of, of us here. We didn't do this podcast without errors. We made mistakes in English. We made, you know, confusions. I've showed uh, your LinkedIn profile. Those, those imperfections make us vulnerable and, and true and honest to what we do. And I, that's what I loved on, the, on this clip. So I have one more. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see. When we work from a place, I believe, that says, I'm enough, then we stop screaming and start listening. We're kinder and gentler to the people around us and we're kinder and gentler to ourselves. Brene Brown sharing that the way uh, that we can start connecting and uh, being more empathic is to be... Um, my, my, my understanding is to be uh, happy with who you are and that you are enough. And that applied to me a lot with my kids because my kid, he's, um, he's five years old. And he always had some you know, difficulties in communicating because he had a lot of ear issues when he was younger. Mm. And I always felt, um, me and my wife, we always felt uh, a bit... Uh, worried and guilty of not having detected that earlier mm -hmm. so now he um he's, a, he's an extraordinary kid super um, now he communicates a lot although he stutters a little bit nice but i was i was thinking and she always tells me that she always wish uh, this is our baby this is who he is yes he's imperfect we're not in a perfect world yes maybe he's not gonna be a, you know a Harvard senior guy, or maybe he will. We never know. If we educate our kids and our families, if we talk with our families and our colleagues in a way that you are enough, you know, you are, with your imperfections, you are enough. I'm quite sure that life would be much easier. Oh, yes. Um, to take away that wave, and it's something that Brene Brown also mentions, and you said the word guilt. And she's also in a previous clip, she says about shame and the different, I really like how she, how she describes the different, the two is like, we set up a meeting right now to do the podcast. I completely forget about it. And then you call me on my phone, WhatsApp or text of LinkedIn. Hey, Lario. We're five minutes about to start. Are, are you there? And then I Where go. Where the hell are you? <laughs> Where the hell am I? And I, I completely forgot about it. And then there's two ways of feeling. I could feel guilt, like Ish, I did something wrong. I let my friend down. Or if 
I would feel shame. It's like, I'm not enough. Right. I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good person. And that's the thing. No, when we feel that, it means that we're feeling that we're not enough. And I think changing that narrative, okay, I did this. It is wrong. I'll just make sure that next time I'll be a good friend. I'll be a better friend right. than last time. Um, and yes, I think admitting that, but also thinking that I'm enough. I'm enough. And I think she said something that it goes both ways. And I feel that I'm enough. And I know that the other person is no better than me. Right. If we have that mindset, I do believe that it's easier to connect. But also, again, I do believe that in the stories that we share with each other, not only we'll have more empathy, but we'll feel a lot, a lot more connected to people. If you allow me, I want to share something that happens in in one of my training. So mm -hmm. it was a two day training on the first day. One of the participants shared that. Ah, I remember, I remember one of the cards was actually share about a time that you were generous. And basically she shared the story of letting someone that was sleeping in the street, it was homeless for some time. And she and her, her family, her husband and kids took in that person. And I think the person was there for maybe a month until um, things would go back in track in that person's life. And this was a story, very generous. I don't know if I would be able to do it, but it was a really nice thing to, to hear. Second day, the last part, practical, I had participants pick up topics. And topics could go from biggest failure, biggest accomplishment, biggest fears, biggest regrets, the qualities I appreciate in others. I don't remember hers. And basically she was sharing that her parents were immigrants and they ran away First, her father was kept in captivity, sent to a concentration camp. And her father was able to escape. And for several months or weeks, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken, they were sleeping in different people's house. And right. that, that, that moment for everyone including myself. It was such a privilege. I, even though I'm not from that team, but I was part of that moment of sharing, moment of vulnerability that she shared something really personal. And before people started giving feedback, I always have people giving a round of appreciation. What I appreciated most about that story, that that speech. And, and, one, and one of the persons said, well, now I get when you're talking about generosity, because yesterday it was like, oh, she's a generous person. But after hearing this story, it, it goes to a completely different level. 
Right. I, I respect you more as a person. I feel much more connected to you as not only my colleague, but as a person without any mask, any armors. And, and yeah, it, it was a beautiful moment. And I know for sure that after that story and many more that had, that group became closer together to their leaders, to their colleagues, to their employees. It, it, it was a magical moment of vulnerability, being connected, um, being naked in front of other people. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing. That's really, really powerful. And I was, I was thinking when you were mentioning that, that you know, out of this, our conversation of today, I think people can be, can be a little bit frightened to what you're, we're talking about in the sense that this is difficult, of course, being vulnerable is difficult. And, uh, but I wanted just to share that when we talk about being vulnerable and being vulnerability, this doesn't imply that you are going to share the story of your life with anyone else, right? This, this implies that from my perspective is that on each interaction you have on your day today, you need to think, am I being reasonable here or am I not being reasonable? Am I not seeing things as they are or what can I do to see them differently? Can I listen more? Is this the right behavior I'm, I want to, to give to our people? So, of course, we are, I think we are, you know, on your example, you are showing really the most powerful being naked, as you mentioned. That's really incredibly powerful. And in order to get there, you really need to be comfortable with doing that. But I think to become a bit more practical, I think that each one of us on our teams, on our works, on our day-to-day, the first action I would do would be to first listen, really listen, not just listening. <laughs> and then thinking, is my behavior in line or am I using my armor? You know, am I, am I hiding a vulnerability that I have in order to, to become more recognized in the company? So just, do you, uh, we don't have a lot of time, Larry, because the conversation is long, but uh, I would like to ask you, um, going also back to your experience, your trainings, mm -hmm. when you do, for example, uh, you know, a story, storytelling uh, workshop, mm -hmm. because what we are saying here, what we're talking, we are sharing stories, right? That's mm -hmm. how we started this conversation. Mm -hmm. What were the... What are the main feedback, main, the main things that people take home after that? What, how they can take that knowledge and put them to work in their day to day? The power of stories and the power of making things different you know because some of the of the resistance that i get is okay lurio i do i do get this it's very dynamic it's very useful but i don't see myself using that structure when i'm 
presenting this to my superiors, to the CEO. Not that I don't believe it, but I think they'll find it weird. You know, I think that they'll find it weird. And they probably will. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, I, I just think that I give some tools. I give an experience to, the, to participants. Then it's up to them to feel right. how that will impact or no, not, not impact. Sorry. How can they, what they can take for this kind of presentation? Maybe this point and this point, but for mm -hmm. that one, oh, I'll use that. So it's up to them to see how to apply without assuming right from the beginning that this, it's beautiful, but I don't see how I can apply it, you know, especially in a, not specially, let's say in the tech world, we feel that, okay, I'm going to only present stats and facts because that's what they, they want to hear. That's a good one. Yeah. It is known that if we, if I just present you stats, facts, two hours from now, unless you have a, um, a photographic. photographic memory, exactly. remember, but most of us don't have photographic memories, you will forget. A month from now, let's not even go there. But if I tell you a story, a success story, or a story with challenges, even if it's 30 seconds, one minute story, and I incorporate those tests, stats, those facts inside a story, you'll remember. Yeah. And sometimes those stories, and this is what I try to explain. When you share stories in your presentation, it doesn't mean that you're gonna, as you said, the story of our life. You will choose what is the story applied for here. Will it be a personal story? Will it be a tale? Will it be a story? As long as it connects to what you're presenting, then there you go. Cool. Larry, we started this conversation with connection. We evolved into vulnerability. Now we evolve into uh, why are we not so much vulnerable? Why are we afraid of? We talked about blame, guilt. Uh, we talked also a little bit about what can we do in order to overcome some of those uh, vulnerabilities that, that we have, that we hide under a mask and under, and what are the added values that goes mm -hmm. out of that. And we ended up with, uh, you know, an example that if you challenge yourself to do things a little bit differently and maybe that has a really powerful impact on the work you do and on the people you connect with but i didn't want to i don't want to finish this without asking you um as this is a leadership podcast mm -hmm. if you would have to share an advice uh, to a future leader out there to someone that is going to have an impact on others Mm -hmm. What advice would that be? Don't be afraid of vulnerability. Or if you are afraid, don't let it stop you from being vulnerable. Because I do believe, I'm a strong believer that when you're vulnerable, you're being courageous. 
and courage is contagious. The way to influence people is to be courageous, to have courage. And with that, vulnerability is one of the ways that you can do. And if you are a leader, if you will be a leader, on the way to be a leader, don't let this notion of vulnerability frighten you. Maybe you don't need to share the deepest thing that is so hard or to start from there. There's this deck of cards. This is a really simple way that it, you can use it as a game. If you don't want to order, there's the online application for Androids. It's called More Stories or One Stories. It's easy. You can find it and you can play with this with your teammates, with your colleagues. And trust me, you will feel like this. Because when we feel like this, people work and walk towards the same cause and same direction. Larry, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I'm quite sure we'll, we'll probably have a second round someday in the future. Uh, thank you so much for your generosity of being here, uh, more, more or less one hour. Um, and I wish you all the success and uh, you know happiness. Thank you so much, my friend. Yes. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And I felt honored when you invited me. And right now I still feel the same feeling for cool. being part of this experience. Thank you very much. Thank you, Larry. See you. Bye. Thanks.